Here we are, it is Wednesday, and all shreds of sanity have been lost here on the set. But we'll talk about why that is, maybe. But mostly we'll talk about the presidential race. We'll talk about Donald Trump and Ted Cruz still getting into fights with each other. And who is the biggest liar in this race? Is it Trump? Is it Cruz? Or is it Marco Rubio? Who is the biggest liar? We'll talk about all of those things. I am Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. So we'll start with the news. The news is that Nikki Haley, the governor of South Carolina, is about to endorse Marco Rubio, the senator from Florida in the presidential race. And that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I've, I've stated clearly here on the podcast that my first choice for the nomination is Cruz. My second choice for the nomination is Rubio. It doesn't make a huge difference to me personally if Nikki Haley endorses Rubio. I've had things that I like about Nikki Haley, things I didn't like about Nikki Haley. I thought her response to the State of the Union was terrible. I thought that she handled the Confederate flag issue in South Carolina badly. But, you know, that's just me. I don't care. It's it's fine. There's only one problem I have with the Nikki Haley endorsement, and that is the more complicated this Republican race becomes, the more complicated it becomes, the better the shot that Donald Trump ends up as the nominee. And Donald Trump is, in fact, a terrible, terrible, terrible liar. He's just he, he, he lies on a consistent basis. Today, he actually sent a, a cease and desist letter to Ted Cruz based on an ad that Ted Cruz put out with his historic views on abortion. Had tape of Trump from 2000 talking about how he was in favor of partial birth abortion and how Trump was not significantly pro-life. And so what does Trump do? Because Trump is a spoiled, rich brat. He sends a cease and desist letter to Ted Cruz. Like, I'm going to sue you if you don't take down this ad. To which Cruz said, fine, do it. You want to sue me? Let's, let's do this thing. I'll depose you myself. It'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. And Trump then said, well, you know, the only reason that, that Cruz is doing all of this is he's flailing about because he's whining and because he's weak and his campaign's falling apart. And now I finally understand why his campaign logo looks the way it does. It's, it's a flame. It's because his campaign is going up in flames. So it's, it's Trump still playing kind of teenage bully provocateur. And Cruz responding by saying, you know, you want a, you want a shot at the chin? Go for it. You know, I, I think that Cruz has to go stronger in that direction, not weaker, actually. I think Cruz needs to say to him, and he sort of did today. He said that you know, you've spent your entire adult life suing people, but he actually needs to call him a spoiled brat used to getting his way who's never had anybody say no to him. And this time, somebody's going to say no to him because somebody needs to stand up to the bloviating, idiotic bully that is Donald Trump. And, and I, I think that at this point, Cruz really doesn't have a lot to lose on this score, considering that both Trump and Rubio have been going very hard at, at Ted Cruz. Rubio particularly disgusts me a little bit in this because he's saying things that he knows are not true about Cruz because he's trying to reinforce the stigma, the stereotype, the idea about Cruz, that Cruz is a liar and a manipulator. And I'm, in a second, I'm going to go through all the supposed lies and manipulation of all of the candidates, and we'll actually discuss who's the liar, who's the manipulator, who actually is responsible for the prevarication in this campaign. But Rubio's been saying things about, about, about Cruz that simply are not true at this point. And that's, that's sad, because I, I always thought that Rubio was at the very least a good guy, an honorable guy. And this is making me a little bit sick to my stomach. When, when Cruz hits Rubio over his immigration record, that's fair game. Some of the stuff Rubio is hitting Cruz about is really dicey, really dicey. So let's go through it a little bit. And then we'll get to President Obama being his jackass self and, and all the rest of it. Okay, so let's start with the accusations that are currently flying around. So you've got Ted Cruz standing over here, hitting Donald Trump, saying Trump is a liar about his conservatism. True. You've got Donald Trump saying that Ted Cruz is a liar, manipulator, a sleazy campaigner, the biggest liar, the biggest liar I've ever seen in my life. Sad, sad that 
we'll get to in a second. And then you have Marco Rubio, who's trying to avoid the flailing fists of fury of Donald Trump, meanwhile hitting Ted Cruz, trying to drag him down so that he can finish second in South Carolina. So let's talk about the lies of each. So Donald Trump lies, like he lies a lot. On Saturday night, for example, we talked about this yesterday, he explicitly said that George W. Bush lied us into the war in Iraq two days later. We played this yesterday. Two days later, he told Mike Gallagher he never even said that. So he lied twice. First, Bush didn't lie us into Iraq. And second, he did say that. He called Ted Cruz a liar in debate after Cruz said that Trump supported funding Planned Parenthood. But Trump does support funding Planned Parenthood's non-abortion services, which is a nonsensical position since all money, as we said before, is fungible. If you sign a dollar to Planned Parenthood, say, I want you to use this for birth control, but not abortion, Planned Parenthood will do that. They'll then take the money they were going to spend for birth control and shift it over to abortion. During that same debate, Trump claimed that Cruz operatives were calling people to tell them he was dropping out of the race. There's no evidence that this is the case. Everybody sort of just forgot that Trump said this, but Trump actually said this in the debate. During the debate, Trump said that he had specifically warned over and over that we shouldn't go into Iraq. Bull. It's not true. There's no evidence of that. No one can find a single statement that that's the case. And then his latest was yesterday. Yesterday, he tweeted out a fake quote from former Senator Tom Coburn of Oklahoma, a very conservative guy, in which, he, in which Coburn supposedly ripped Cruz as, quote, without a doubt, one of the most dishonest people in D.C. The only one problem with this, Coburn never said this. He immediately responded. He said, it's an absolute fabrication. I've never said that, period. It's unfortunate he would use my name to say something dishonest. It's a total fabrication. Trump eventually deleted the tweet. No media follow-up. No media follow-up. So that's Donald Trump. You know, he lies on a routine basis, and there's never any media follow-up. Like, wouldn't you expect somebody at that, at that debate? I mean, Trump has said before that he warned about the Iraq war. Wouldn't you expect somebody to say, okay, when, Donald, name it? You know, before 2004, you never, you're never on record anywhere saying this. But, you know, that's the way that Trump is, and he gets away with it because you don't get the sense that he's lying because Trump is so variable day to day. He was honest when he said that he thought Bush was a liar, and he was honest two days later when he said that he didn't recall Bush a liar because when he said the second thing, he didn't remember saying the first thing because he doesn't pay attention to the things he says. There's, an, there's a sort of confidence and arrogance to, to Trump that means that he can shift positions on a dime. Okay, now let's go to Cruz. The biggest disadvantage that Ted Cruz has in this race is that he's Ted Cruz. And what I mean by that is just he was born with that mug. There's no other way to put it. People tend to judge each other based in a split second on how they look. It's, it's just a sad reality of human life. We have all of these kind of reptilian brains, and those reptilian brains were designed to help us survive in the wild, and that meant you, you made snap decisions about your surroundings. We still make snap decisions about people. So if you see somebody, you either like their look or you don't like their look. And, and the truth is you rarely change your opinions about this. In fact, they did a, a scientific study at one point where they took all of the presidential candidates for the last six, seven elections, and they, and they removed their kind of distinguishing facial features, so like George Bush and, and John Kerry, but they'd removed some of the features that made them look like George W. Bush and John Kerry. It was basically people who looked kind of like them. And then they said, okay, vote for these two people. You don't know anything about them. Vote for them. And it turns out that more often than not, significantly more often than not, it's actually statistically significant, people vote for the guy who actually won. So people tend to base their voting patterns on how people look. Ted Cruz has an unfortunate face. There's just no two ways about it. Uh, he, he looks like, he, as, as Drew has said on his show, he looks like a used car salesman. He looks like an Elmer Gantry type. It almost wouldn't matter how honest Ted Cruz was. That was going to adhere to him. It was, it was going to glom onto him. And Trump has an uncanny knack for, for channeling this particular instinct. That part of his reptilian brain works extraordinarily well. He, he can look at people and immediately tell 
what's the vulnerability that people are going to hone in on? So for Cruz, it's going to be honesty because he looks slick like a used car salesman. For Rubio, it's going to be that he's a beta, that he's weak. So he calls him weak. For Jeb, it looks like he's weak. Right? Every time Trump does this, it's always a character attack. Right? You're weak, you're corrupt, you're sleazy. It's never a policy attack. But the attack on Cruz that he's dishonest, it was bound to have more play than it would with, for example, Marco Rubio, because Cruz, unfortunately, just as he has a face that looks dishonest. That's just, there's no two ways about it. And, and part of it is the eyes that curve down, and part of it is the mouth that curves down, and the chin. I mean, there's just, he has, physiognomy kind of went out, the, the, the judgment of head shapes. This went out at the end of the last century, the end of the, the at the end of the 20th century, the end of the 19th century, physiognomy really went out of style. Um, but nonetheless, people still kind of have these un informal ties and cues in their minds. So let's go through what, what Cruz has actually been accused of lying about, because I think it's important. I think people need to know where he's fibbed and where he hasn't. And he's not totally clean because politicians are never totally clean. So let's go through this. So you got Trump and Rubio both saying Cruz is dishonest. You have Trump saying that Cruz is the most dishonest person he's ever met in his life. More dishonest than him. I mean, he's the most, he's the most dishonest person he's ever met. So what has Cruz lied about? Well, Trump says that Cruz lied about Ben Carson dropping out of the race in Iowa. We've dealt with this on the show repeatedly before. Uh, you can go back and listen to those podcasts, but the short story is that CNN reported, based on information given to them by the Ben Carson campaign, that Ben Carson was heading down to Florida and then up to Washington, D.C., instead of campaigning in New Hampshire or Iowa, right before the Iowa caucuses. CNN then played this up as breaking news. Dana Bash on the, on the channel said, if you want to win the presidency, you don't go back down to Florida. It looked to every observer as though this was a suspension of a campaign. The Cruz campaign let all of its precinct captains know tell people that Carson is probably going to drop out. So if you're thinking about Cruz as your second choice, shift your vote over to Cruz. There's nothing terrible about that. There's nothing horrible about that. Cruz later apologized. The reason that he apologized is a political reason. He shouldn't have apologized. He didn't do anything wrong. The reason that Cruz apologized to Ben Carson is because, one, he figured that Carson was an honorable guy, which is now in question, given that Carson is running a vanity campaign to expand his email list. And two, he assumed that the only way to continue garnering support from Carson's supporters was to apologize to Carson, let Carson accept the apology, and then we all move on with our lives. Instead, Carson saw an opportunity to expand his campaign into future states, and so he started bashing Cruz about the ears over it. And to show the cynicism of that, when Donald Trump literally called Ben Carson a pedophile, Ben Carson blamed the media and refused to blame Trump. But when it comes to Ted Cruz reporting what is true, which is that Carson is running a zombie campaign, then all of a sudden, Carson is up in arms about it. So Trump says the Cruz lied about Carson dropping out of the race. This is, this is nonsense. Carson, okay, so other, other accusations. Trump said that Cruz was a liar for saying that Trump would appoint leftist judges. Okay, maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. We really don't know because his only record of talking about judges has happened in the last week. Before that, the only person that Trump had ever suggested he would appoint to the court was his sister, who voted in favor of partial birth abortion as a constitutional right. Okay, so based on that, you might say, yeah, there's at least a decent shot that Trump would appoint somebody who's not conservative. But in the last debate, Trump mentioned a couple of people who'd been supplied to him by some of the folks in his campaign. And he mentioned a couple conservatives. So, you know, let's say a 50-50 shot on that one. So Trump also says that Cruz lied when he said that Trump backs Obamacare. Trump says he opposes Obamacare, that he would defund Obamacare, get rid of Obamacare. But he also supports a government-run universal health care system. So same difference. So that's not really a lie by Ted Cruz. The truth is that what Trump supports could be worse than, a, than Obamacare. We, we really don't know because he hasn't gotten detailed. Trump says that Cruz is lying when 
When Cruz says that Trump wants to fund Planned Parenthood, no, that's true. Trump has said in the past he wants to fund Planned Parenthood. Now he says he doesn't want to fund Planned Parenthood so long as they provide abortion services. What does that mean? That's their number one service. Uh, so Trump says that Cruz lies when, when Cruz says that Trump is pro-choice. Trump is kind of sort of kind of pro-choice. He says that he believes in the caveats with regard to the pro-life position and that abortion isn't murder. And until five minutes ago, he was in favor of partial birth abortion. And finally, Trump says that Cruz is a liar because Cruz says that his that, that Trump's appointee to the Supreme Court would get rid of gun rights. And Trump says, well, no, 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 I'm, I'm a big fan of the NRA. I'm a member of the NRA. I'm for gun rights. He is for gun rights, or at least he has been for the past couple of years. Again, that's no guarantee that the judge that he would appoint is somebody who would uphold gun rights. That's a, that's a whole different question. So suffice it to say that, that Cruz's record on Trump is a little bit choppy, but it's not overtly false. There's nothing that Cruz is saying about Trump that really is super over the line, any worse than any other political campaign. Rubio is also now calling Cruz a liar. He's calling Cruz a liar for targeting his immigration record. Rubio's wrong. Uh, Rubio is wrong. Cruz is not lying. Rubio's immigration record is all over the place. We went through it yesterday, all 1,167 positions of Marco Rubio yesterday. Cruz is not lying about his immigration position. Rubio says Cruz is a liar because Rubio didn't want to use Congress, uh, Congress's constitutional authority to defund Planned Parenthood. This is what Cruz said. He says that, that Rubio isn't pro-life enough because he didn't want to use Congress's constitutional authority to defund Planned Parenthood. What he means by that is not that Rubio doesn't want to defund Planned Parenthood, but that he's not willing to shut down the government in order to do so. If you remember back to the Planned Parenthood debacle a couple of months back, what happened is that the Republicans said, yeah, we're going to defund Planned Parenthood. And then they refused to attach a defunding portion of Planned Parenthood to any budget or appropriations bill. So they passed a separate bill saying we want to defund Planned Parenthood. Obama vetoed it. That was that. Cruz wanted them to propose appropriations and force Obama to veto it on the basis of funding Planned Parenthood. Rubio didn't go along with that. So that's not really an overt lie by, by Cruz. That really is, again, more of a glass half empty, glass half full kind of thing. So apparently Cruz has also accused Rubio of being insufficiently anti-same-sex marriage. He said that Rubio believes same-sex marriage is, quote, the settled law of the land, and we must surrender and move on. This is what Cruz said about Rubio. Rubio says this is a lie. Eh. Back when the same-sex marriage decision came down from the Supreme Court, here's a direct quote from Marco Rubio, quote, We live in a republic and must abide by the law. Sounds like settled law to me. The only difference is that Rubio said we need to appoint judges who would apply the Constitution properly. So maybe he means that there will be a future court that overrules it. But again, this is more of a glass half empty, glass half full kind of thing. It certainly isn't a massive lie. And then Rubio says Cruz was lying about him because Cruz said that Rubio wasn't sufficiently anti-same-sex marriage to earn an endorsement from the National Organization for Marriage. That's false, according to the National Organization for Marriage. They say that they would back Rubio over Hillary Clinton. But, but back when that same-sex marriage decision came down, the National Organization for Marriage, said that Rubio's opposition to same-sex marriage was, quote, lip service. If he can't even get behind a constitutional amendment that allows the people to decide the issue. So again, glass half empty, glass half full. He's not coming from nowhere. So verdict on Ted Cruz. Verdict on Ted Cruz is that Cruz is a hard, hard-edged campaigner, that he says things that, if anything, are exaggerations of, of positions for purposes of political campaigning, but there, there are no overt lies here. There's nothing that's an overt lie happening right here. Everything that he says is, is kind of borderline, but it's not over into the black and white area of just wrong. Now let's talk about Marco Rubio. And very few people talk about Marco Rubio's honesty. He's, he's sort of 
perceived by conservatives to be pure as the driven snow. Marco Rubio is just the, the, the absolute epitome of honesty and decency on the campaign trail. This is not true. Okay, Rubio and Cruz are basically in the same boat. They attack each other on the fringes. They're, they're kind of about as edgy as it gets without moving into overtly nasty and horrible territory. So let's talk about some of the things Rubio has said. So Rubio has now unleashed ads claiming that Cruz wanted, quote, mass legalization of illegal immigrants. That's not true. That's not true. So Cruz voted against the Gang of Eight bill that would do exactly that, co-sponsored by Rubio. What Rubio is resting on is he's resting on an amendment that Cruz brought that said that he would provide legalization for illegal immigrants but never citizenship. That amendment, Cruz says, was designed to basically be a poison pill to sink the bill. Rubio says, no, it was re- you really wanted the bill to pass. In any case, all that really matters is the vote. So no, Cruz never backed mass legalization of illegal immigrants. If he had, he would have voted for the Gang of Eight. Then yesterday, Trey Gowdy, who is a Republican from South Carolina, he's on the Benghazi Committee, very well-liked in conservative circles, he suggested that the Cruz campaign was responsible for a Facebook page that went up yesterday. There's this Facebook page that went up yesterday claiming that Trey Gowdy, who long ago endorsed Marco Rubio, had withdrawn his support for Rubio and given it to Cruz. Cruz said, we didn't put up that Facebook page. It has nothing to do with us, right? You have no evidence it has anything to do with us, and it doesn't have anything to do with us. It would be terrible if we did this. Suffice it, it was about as, about as bald-faced a denial as you can make. That didn't stop Gowdy from releasing a statement saying the Cruz campaign, quote, may not place the same value on waging a contest based on truth and facts. We have seen a systematic effort by Senator Cruz and his allies to spread false information and outright lies in the hopes of winning votes by appealing to our lowest common denominator. Okay, again, Trey Gowdy's a prosecutor. If you're going to accuse somebody of putting up a Facebook page with an outright lie on it, you might actually want to provide evidence that the person put up the Facebook page. The only evidence we have so far is Cruz saying he didn't do it. So that's pretty dicey stuff. It's kind of gross. The Rubio campaign then sent out a list of supposed Cruz lies. They said that there was the Facebook post. That's false. That's not a Cruz lie. It's, it's actually a Rubio lie. The anti-Rubio immigration ads. Again, the, the ads are basically accurate. The Cruz Planned Parenthood accusations, which we discussed before. The NAM controversy, the National Organization for Marriage controversy, which we discussed before. Uh, they accused Cruz of using these terrible South Carolina push polls. Who cares if you use push polls? Push polls are a very often used political tool. It depends on what the push polls are actually asking. And then there's the Carson accusations. They said that Cruz is corrupt because of the Carson thing in Iowa. Again, that's BS. And finally, the Rubio campaign attacked the, uh, the Cruz campaign for what they called a soft core porn ad. There was no soft core porn ad. Okay? It's just an outright lie. There was no soft core porn ad. There was an ad that had a lady in it who had nothing to do with porn in the ad, but had previously starred in some soft core porn. Clavin talked about it on his show. I didn't care. I talked about it on this show. I didn't care about it. I thought it was silly. I thought they should have kept the ad up. Who cares that she was in soft core porn? Like, not my cup of tea, not something I think is great for society, but I think you should hire people based on merit, and I didn't know that it's our job now to police all of the actors in various videos or movies, and that seems bizarre to me. So, bottom line here is that Cruz and Rubio are campaigning right on the edge of decency, and Trump is way beyond it. So now you've heard all of the lies, right? You've heard all of the, the myriad lies that have been put out there. Did you hear anything there that was truly egregious from either Cruz or Rubio? Anything that was truly egregious? The closest it comes to egregious to me is Trey Gowdy suggesting that, that Cruz is putting out a false Facebook page without any evidence of that being true. That seems like the closest thing to an outright lie to me. Everything else, kind of normal campaigning. 
except for everything Trump does. Trump lies about his own positions. He lies about the positions of others. He makes false character accusations. So that's where we are in this race. Does any of this make any difference? Not sure that it does. If Cruz and Rubio continue to tear each other down, the only thing that, that really matters is that Trump is going to continue to soar. Because if this field does not winnow and winnow quickly, we're going to get down to the SEC states. If Trump starts winning there, it's too late for anybody to do anything. Okay, so yesterday, you know, while all of this was going on, President Obama was doing what he does best. President Obama has now taken off the mask, and underneath, he's one of those sad transgender trolls over at Salon.com. And that, that's, that's what President Obama has now become. He's, he's one of these people who talks about cisgender and white privilege, and he's just gone full troll. So President Obama knows how much he angers people when he just outright lies about things. But he did it anyway yesterday, and that's why he does it. He does it specifically because it angers the right, and he, he likes poking them. He, he and Trump actually have similarly authoritarian personalities. There's something where they really enjoy kind of poking the beast. So here's President Obama yesterday going after Donald Trump. And believe me, I don't want Trump for president, but what oh, but you're about to hear Obama say is, is absolutely maddening. Here we go. Uh, I'll leave it to you to speculate on how this whole race is going to go. Uh, I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. And the reason is because I have a lot of faith in the American people. And I think they recognize that being president is a serious job. It's not hosting a talk show or a reality show. It's not promotion. It's not marketing. <laughs> it's hard. And a lot of people count on us getting it right. And it's not a matter of pandering and, 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 and doing whatever will get you in the news on a given day. Oh and sometimes God. it requires you making hard decisions even when people don't like it. Okay, we can cut it off there. So you hear President Obama says he has confidence in the American people, except for all you bitter clinger, racist, sexist homophobes who are out there and, and randomly attacking blacks and gays and transgenders and such. All of you people, you're terrible. But the American people, President Obama truly trusts, trusts you so much that he wants you to give him complete power so that he can tell you what to do with your lives. That's, that's how much he trusts you. By the way, I don't trust the American people when it comes to elections. You elected this doof twice. So, no, I, I don't. But then the, the part of that that's so shocking is he says, you know, they, they, it's a serious job. It's a serious job for serious people. You know, it's, it's a very serious job for serious people. You know, like, uh, not for people who just on television, got reality TV shows. That's not something that's important. You know, it's not for pandering. Certainly for pandering. By the way, black people are the best. White cops are shooting them. Not for pandering. Let me tell you. So President Obama, who, who says all of this, two days ago, dos days ago, he showed up in my city, Los Angeles, and he did this. Let me, does this sound like a like TV show or maybe like some pandering, maybe? Like he's with the, the President of the United States and Ellen DeGeneres, who has significantly more testosterone than Obama. Here we go. I cannot tell you I, or, or thank you enough for what you have done for the gay community. So thank you. <laughs> Uh, it's one of the things I'm proudest of uh, because my whole political career <laughs> has been based on the idea that we constantly want to include people and not exclude them. How do we bring more and more people into opportunity and success? And Okay, cut uh, him off because I can't feeling. listen to this. So he's an inclusive president. He's, he's just super inclusive, except for all you Christians and all you conservatives and all you people who own guns and you, you people. You're terrible. But 
Here, here's President, I mean, he just said, he just said that it's not for pandering. And there he is talking about pandering to Ellen and the rest of the gay community. And by the way, I, I love how Ellen and everybody else were, were totally willing to give Obama the benefit of the doubt on the fact that when he ran in 2008, he was anti-same-sex marriage. And then he just flipped just in time for the 2012 election in order to win the vote. I mean, it's just, it, it is incredible. So, okay, so when he's not doing that, this president of the United States, he's doing interviews like, for example, this one with Glozell. So, you know, this is not a, this is not a president of the United States who, who panders or who's a reality TV star or who appears all the time in commercials or who mucks up everything at the Super Bowl or the Grammys or the Emmys or the Oscars or any other show that has more than three viewers. Glozell is a YouTube star who's most famous for bathing in Fruit Loops. Seriously. And there's the president of the United States doing the hard work of being president, making those decisions, you know, decisions like, do I put my hand on the hand of the woman with the green lipstick? Is that like the, the, those really hard decisions? Or, for example, you know, like when he made the hard decision to appear with Zach Galifianakis on Between Two Ferns. Now, this is a serious job. It's a very serious job with serious people making serious decisions. And we can't have a reality star like Donald Trump. We can't have, you know, somebody who goes on stupid shows with Hollywood stars to push Obamacare. We can't, we can't do that. Let's, let's be real. Let's be serious about this for a second. And we need serious people, serious people who will handle our national security threats. Like, for example, you know, the kind of people who will know how to handle Iran and won't let Iran become a national security threat. In fact, we'll make sure that Iran is less of a national security threat. Like what Ash Carter said, the, the Secretary of Defense, President Obama's Secretary of Defense, who had this to say about what's going on in Iran right now. Remember, Iran, this, this, this nation that President Obama just signed a nuclear deal with, basically gave them nuclear weapons in 10 years and opened their economy now. You know, Obama made the hard call, and it's had great impact. Here's Ash Carter, the Secretary of Defense. Everybody in that region who's looking around and, and wondering when it's all over, and they're, they're all asking themselves this char question, Charlie, when the, what's the chessboard going to look like when the ISIL piece is gone? And they all need to understand that we'll remember then, because we're going to be on the winning side, We'll remember who contributed and who didn't. And we aren't out to do people favors here. And we're not asking for anybody to do us favors either. Uh, but people need to act in their own long-term so, interest. So you we'll are remember. saying to whom what? That anybody who's on the sidelines, who needs to get in the game, you need to get in the game. That's what I was doing in Brussels, and overwhelmingly uh, people came on behind that. And to the Russians and the Iranians who are not contributing or, and are actually causing more problems uh, in the region, uh, that's going to come back and get them. Okay, the Iranians are causing more problems in the region. Amazing. But don't worry, Obama makes all the right calls, the smart calls. He's not a reality TV star with Glozell and Ellen and Zach Galifianakis. He's not somebody who does interviews before the Super Bowl where he talks about what kind of dip he likes with his chips. He's not that kind of guy. And this is what makes people vote for Trump, seriously. What makes people vote for Trump is the reaction to this, because you're not human if you haven't lived through eight years of Obama and you look at this pandering reality TV star wannabe and say to yourself, go yourself. I mean, seriously, just go perform anatomically impossible acts upon yourself, because it's just, it's gross. And so we say, fine, you, you don't want us to nominate Trump? Screw you, we'll nominate Trump. Just to say F you, will do it. Just to tell you to go screw yourself, we'll do it. And Trump basically, this is what Trump grasped. So Trump basically said this. Here's Donald Trump talking about Obama's comment. 
President Obama at the Asian Leaders Summit in California at a press conference. He had something to say about you. I want to read, and uh, I don't think uh, you're going to be on his Christmas card list this year. I don't mind. I've already let me, let me read you what President it's Obama said. It's actually a said. great compliment. <laughs> let me read you what President Obama said and uh, get your response. I'm, I'm quoting President Obama. I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president, and the reason is because I have a lot of faith in the American people, and I think they recognize that being president is a serious job. It's not hosting a talk show or a, re a reality show. It's not promotion. It's not marketing. It's hard. That's from President Obama. Um, he has done such a lousy job as president. You look at our budgets, you look at our spending, we can't beat ISIS. Obamacare is terrible. We're going to terminate it. We're going to absolutely terminate and replace it. I mean, you look at everything. Our borders are like uh, Swiss cheese. Uh, this man has done such a bad job. He has set us back so far. And for him to say that actually is a great compliment, if you want to know the truth. It's a great compliment. See, this is, this, Trump knows what he's doing on this kind of stuff. You get into the dozens. You get into the fight with, with Trump. And this is what Trump is really good at. So, and again, as I said yesterday, all that's happening here is that everyone feels emasculated by Obama. And so they want the guy who's got the biggest swinging pair to walk into the room. And that's, that's, that's what people think Trump is. Now, What's what's really tragic about and and Trump is good at this. I mean, like here's Trump on Hillary, for example. He went after Hillary Clinton in the same way. Here, here's that. Hillary Clinton is a joke. If she gets in, she's like a joke. You know, I turned on last night. I'm sure you saw it. I'm watching television and I see her barking like a dog. Right? No, she's barking like a dog. And everyone's saying, oh, wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that wonderful? Isn't that cute? Isn't that great? If I ever did that, I would be ridiculed all over the place. I won't do it. I'm not going to imitate her. But she's barking like a dog and they're saying, wonderful. Trump does it. Believe me, you'd read about it. What's wrong with Trump? So there'll be no barking. <laughs> now, meanwhile, you know, the rest of the Republican field is, is beating each other up. As I mentioned, you got Rubio and Cruz going after each other. And Jeb is just sitting in the corner going, what has happened to my life? I mean, this is, Jeb, Jeb is basically just sitting around thinking to himself, how could this be? How could, how could all of this be going down in real life to me? Jeb McBush, how could this possibly happen? And here is Jeb saying, I can't, Trump's a bully. And, and he's, by the way, everything he's about to say is the first time I've said this about Jeb. Everything that Jeb Bush is about to say is true. Here we go. It feels like you've gotten your sea legs. You're not you're not afraid to punch back now and, and, and call out Donald Trump for the way you see it. What's changed in, in terms of the way you're uh, acting and behaving in the face of all of this? Well, it's it's hard to deal with a, a guy who talks over you, who shushes you, who shouts profanity in, in debates. It's not uh, it's not the normal candidacy. Uh, I'm running because I believe that we can grow the economy at 4% rather than 2% to lift people's incomes and to keep us safe and secure in terms of foreign policy. So this is a phenomena that's, uh, that, that I've had to adjust to, to be honest with you. But the reality is he's a bully. And if you don't confront a bully, you get the same result where he just pushes people around. And I find it amazing that most candidates keep so qu quiet. Marco Rubio keeps totally quiet on this. 
and, uh, and, and Cruz, until he got attacked directly, did the same. It's important for us to nominate a conservative in the conservative party, or we will just get wiped out in November. And again, the saddest thing in the world, the saddest thing in the world is that no one on that Republican stage is capable of taking down Trump. I mean, really capable of doing it. They don't have the, the masculinity to actually do it, because this is now a masculinity fight. It's an aggression fight. And Jeb Bush is so, when, when Trump says that he's weak, he, it's not that he's weak on policy. It's that this is a man whose entire reason for running for president is to raise the, the national growth rate from 2% to 4%. I mean, wonderful goal, but what does that even mean? Does anybody even know what that means? And then he, and then he says things like, nobody else is attacking Trump. And even, even the way he complains about Trump is amazing. And you're dealing with a man who curses on stage and who's mean to people and throws insults, and I just wasn't ready for that. Weak, weak team. All right, let's move on from the depressing Republican race to the even more depressing Supreme Court nomination. <laughs> so President Obama, uh, yesterday he, uh, he did this press conference and he said, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to nominate somebody, which of course is his prerogative, he can. As I said yesterday, I think Republicans should hold up not just anyone Obama nominates, but anybody Hillary nominates, anybody Sanders nominates. Every Democrat nominee who doesn't believe what Scalia believed or Justice Thomas believes should not be confirmed. End of story. Republican or Democrat who, who nominates them. But here's President Obama telling us that he is just, he's appalled that the Republicans are not following the Constitution of the United States. Seriously. The Constitution is pretty clear about what is supposed to happen now. When there is a vacancy on the Supreme Court, the President of the United States is to nominate someone. The Senate is to consider that nomination and either they disapprove of that nominee or that nominee is elevated to the Supreme Court. Historically, this has not been viewed as a question. Uh, there's no unwritten law that says that it can only be done on off years. That's not in the constitutional text. I'm amused when I hear people who claim to be strict interpreters of the Constitution suddenly reading into it a whole series of provisions that are not there. Uh, there is more than enough time for the Senate to consider in a thoughtful way the record of a nominee that I present uh, and to make a decision. Okay, so if you truly care about the Constitution, you'll let him run roughshod over it, burn it, and stuff it down a toilet. That's, that's, that's what he's saying. If the Constitution says, you must let me have my way, you must listen to me. No, 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 no. I mean, there have been multiple times in American history in which presidents had their nominees rejected or not even heard. John Tyler, for example, he had a, he had a justice die on him in December of 1843. The replacement for that justice wasn't approved until February of 1845, so well over a year and this is, this is not unusual. This is not unusual. And there's there another nominee under Tyler where Tyler, the guy died on him in 1844, wasn't replaced until 1846. The Senate rejected nine Supreme Court nominations from Tyler. Right? But don't, don't worry, don't worry. President Obama, he's really unified the nation in such a way. I mean, he, he really has unified the nation in, in a magnificent way. First of all, I just want to point out, President Obama, whenever he talks about the Constitution, this is the equivalent of Bernie Madoff talking about financial accuracy. Like this is just President Obama hates the Constitution, despises it. It's an obstacle to his goals. This is a man who has destroyed the Constitution, who's 
crapped all over it. I mean, for example, just take one example among literally dozens of examples. The president of the United States has said that he, his executive amnesty, he didn't have the power to do it. Right? He didn't have the power to use the power of the presidency to push forward the legalization of 11 million or 5 million or 3 million illegal immigrants. In fact, he said 22 times that it was unconstitutional for him to do that. Here is President Obama saying that. We won't show all 22, but What we're we dealing go. with is a president who has ignored the people, has ignored the Constitution, and even his own past statements. In fact, on at least 22 occasions, he said he did not have the authority to do what he has done. And we could pull the tape of all the 22 Before times. Before he became president, go, but it's- um, but it's but because we don't want to hear more from John Boehner for people drive off the road and burst into flame. But 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 Obama did say some 22 times that he didn't have the authority for executive amnesty. Then he went ahead and did it anyway. But don't worry, you have to listen to his interpretation of the Constitution. Now, the way that Obama has divided the country is truly egregious. You know, he's on Ellen saying that he's a uniter. He's saying that the presidency's a hard job. It's not just about reality TV theatrics. He said that. He wants more racial unity in the country. He wants a more unified country. And then he sounds out as surrogate to say over and over, the only reason you would oppose him is not because he's a radical ideologue, but only because he's black. So here's Juan Williams, Fox News, saying something absolutely execrable about this. It is an outrage, and it's not just limited to the judiciary. It extends into the ambassadorships, which is something that's been of concern to me, that we have so many countries in crisis in terms of the relationships, in terms of what's going on with ISIS, no attention coming from the Republicans because they have such scorn for this president. And I think, you know, it, it raises questions. Why do they treat this president so badly? I mean, it's just outrageous. And Clearly, said, it's a race question. I, I mm. fear that race has something to do with it. Oh, right? I, I tell you, it's true. But you know, I just you, think, you, 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 let me just say. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Juan. It's because it's because he's black. That's why John Tyler was so black that they held up his judicial nominees. I mean, what a black dude that was. John Quincy Adams. When I think of black dudes, John Quincy Adams comes to mind. You know, with his crazy old hair, like John Quincy Adams. Uh-huh. But he's not the only one saying this. You got Joy Reid over at MSNBC doing the same routine. Because, because it's of a piece with what you've seen over the course of the last eight years, which is the invention of new norms and pretend precedents not grounded in our history, not grounded in the Constitution, but that only apply uniquely to this president. That there are norms that never applied before to previous presidents. Uh, suddenly this president shouldn't be doing executive orders. That's tyranny. This president shouldn't be getting to nominate to the judiciary, not just up to the Supreme Court, but even at lower levels of the judiciary. He shouldn't be allowed to do that. This president has not been allowed to essentially be president in the full sense because Republicans believe he shouldn't be. He doesn't have some he specially doesn't have a right to be. And so I think applying those norms to the Supreme Court and saying we're going to invent a new normal, which is that only Barack Obama, unique of all the presidents, is not allowed because we've invented this supposed precedent that in the eighth year they don't get it to nominate. Well, you know what Ronald Reagan did? You know what Lyndon Johnson did? And he had already announced he wasn't going to run for re-election and he, he nominated Abe Fortas. Well, so- quickly, is it because he is unprecedented? I think so. I think that you've seen a unique opposition to this president. He's been called a liar from the floor of the Senate. That still sticks in the craw of a lot of African-Americans and liberal voters. They've seen him treated in a way that is different than every previous president. And you really got to wonder why. Hi, it's, it's probably because he's black, right? That's what you're saying? Because he's black. He's a black guy. I mean, I've seen him. He's black. Seems pretty black to me. Real black people don't get to nominate justice. And that's what this is all about. It's all because he's black. If they just saw him as half white instead of black, half black, you know, if it was half Glass half empty instead of glass half full. Then it'd be totally different. 
says the man who combs his hair with a shoe every morning. So, <laughs> so Joanne Reed, Juan Williams, no, it's not because Obama's black. Again, this has happened over and over and over in American history. Was Ronald Reagan so black, and that's why they rejected Robert Bork and Doug Ginsburg? What absolute, absolute silly towns. So we'll leave it at that. Okay, very, very quickly, because we have had artificial time constraints placed upon us. We'll now do a quick round of things that I like and things that I hate. Very quick. Okay. Things that I like. Uh, I just started watching Jessica Jones. So far, so good. Uh, it does per- it does perpetuate the myth of the hot lesbian, but aside from that, uh, it is, <laughs> it is, an, it is a, a well-made show. Okay. A quick thing that I hate. So apparently feminists are very, very ticked off at Adele. And as you know, I don't like Adele. I think that Adele is wildly overrated. I mocked her just yesterday on this very program. The New York Times has now pushed out a tweet about Adele describing her as a 27-year-old mother. And there's a picture of her from Vogue, and it says, Adele stuns for Vogue and admits having her son gave her purpose. Slate tweeted, uh-oh, Adele tells Vogue motherhood gave her purpose. Yes, uh-oh. Uh-oh. And Slate's Alyssa Strauss, she said, you know, this is terrible. This is a bold, potentially controversial statement for a celebrity mom. Okay, my wife is a doctor. She's doing something significantly more useful than any of these idiots. Okay, she's an actual doctor, like caring for people. I can tell you, if you asked her, what, is, what, is the, what gives meaning to your life? The first thing she would say is our baby. Absolute first thing. And by the way, I don't know a mom alive who wouldn't say that, unless they're a really crappy mom. And I think this is also true for fathers. I think it's more true for mothers than for fathers. But I think most fathers feel that what gives their life meaning is their children. I think one of the great dis- disasters of our age is the fact that less people have kids and so they never feel a responsibility to the next generation. It's all about me. It's what can I do today? What am I going to party with tonight? What am I doing? What can government do for me? It's never about what do I do for this child? What do I do for the next generation? It, it, the, the fact that feminists are angry at Adele for saying that her kid gives her meaning is, is absolutely absurd because here's the truth of it, okay? Especially for women, it's rare that women are going to find more meaning in their career than they find in, in, in having a child. You know, Ronda Rousey, who's the, this fighter, and she's become very famous, and now she posed nude in, in Sports Illustrated with the body paint and all this stuff. And I guess we'll, we'll have to push that one off again tomorrow because they, they had an overweight lady as the, as the cover model on Sports Illustrated. Actually, you know what? Let's do that. We'll do that real fast. Um, quick thought on Ronda Rousey to finish that. Ronda Rousey, she, uh, what, what Ronda Rousey said is that she, after she lost to Holly Holm in the last fight, she thought about committing suicide. She thought about killing herself. Okay, the reason that she felt that is because she doesn't have anything else going on in her life. Do you think if she had a child at home that she would actually be thinking that way? The answer is no, because children give your life meaning. They give your life an additional sense of meaning. The fact that the left wants to rip that away from women is actually despicable to women. It's what women are put on earth to do, and men are put on earth to sire children as well, and they're both put on earth to marry each other and bring up kids. That's what they are designed to do. And when you rip that away from men, when you rip away from men defending their wives and their children, and you rip away from women childbearing and child rearing altogether, you're destroying purpose of life. And, and this is why you're seeing suicide rates rise in the West among some of the richest, most privileged people on the face of the planet. Okay, final note. Um, the, the Sports Illustrated, because I don't want to push it till tomorrow. The Sports Illustrated plus size model. Let's put this up. Um, okay, so here is the, the rookie bombshell Ashley Graham. Let's see they're showing. And she's a plus-size model. So this is a big, big deal. Like, literally a big deal. And she is, yeah, this is supposed to be just amazing, and, and it's, it's amazing. They, they have three covers. One is of Ronda Rousey, who no one particularly wanted to see naked. Uh, one is of an actual swimsuit model who is not plus-size, which is the one that all the 17-year-old boys will be buying. And then there's this one, right? 
Okay, a couple of things about this. One, I don't know when women say that this is a breakthrough for women. Men, if this is a breakthrough for women, men everywhere are looking for such breakthroughs from women. If this is a breakthrough for women, because let me tell you something. They say she's a plus size model and it's a breakthrough for bigger bodied women. Okay, this is not a breakthrough for 200 pound women. This is still a woman who has a curvy figure. I mean, she's still attractive. She's not like, she's not Janet Reno. I mean, if they really wanted to have a breakthrough for women, get Janet Reno up there. Right? Get Janet Napolitano up there in a bathing suit. They say, ah, oh, this, this is a breakthrough for women. They can be as ugly as they want to be and men will still be attracted to them. That's number one. Second of all, who do they think they're changing? Do they think that men are now more likely to be attracted to this because they see it? Do they think that they're changing men's biology? All of a sudden, a bunch of men are like, oh boy, hadn't thought about women that way. Pretty tur Turns out men think about women all that way pretty much at least 173% of the time, men think about women that way. So the idea that this is making any sort of massive change for women, I love how things that would, would have been considered degrading to women 50 years ago are now considered empowering to women. Somehow they're teaching men a lesson by putting a half-naked babe with big boobs on the cover of a magazine. Men everywhere, thank you. I mean, really, this is, this is so silly. Um, also, I, I don't know what the message is. Is the message also that obesity is supposed to be, like being overweight is supposed to be a positive good? Like, again... If this is her natural figure, fine. If this is her natural healthy weight, okay. But are we supposed to now pretend that being healthy has nothing to do with weight? That obesity, we're in the middle of an obesity ep epidemic. And at the same time, the left is pushing the obesity em epidemic meme. They're saying on the other side that there's no obesity epidemic meme, that it's really just about fat shaming. You can't have it both ways. If you, if, obesity epidemic means by nature fat shaming. If you care about the obesity epidemic, then you care about fat shaming, right? I mean, because... That's just the way that you are participating in fat shaming, in fact, if you care about people's weight. So it's, it's all nonsensical, but it's supposed to give women some vague feeling of empowerment. Lindsay, do you feel much more empowered today having seen this, this cover? No, she doesn't feel that much more empowered today. So I guess that we'll have to come back next year with an even fatter model. Uh, and, and then the fatter the model, the more empowered the, the women feel. Again, ladies, honestly, men are pretty much, men are attracted to women, period. Like, end of story. And so long as you like actually do your hair in the morning and don't gain 300 pounds after getting married, men are going to basically be happy with you. And we don't, we don't ask all that much. Men are very simple creatures. <laughs> the, the idea that men are complex or that you can convince men that, it's a, that beauty is a total social construct. No, it's a partial social construct, but there's never been any culture in history where, again, Janet Napolitano or Janet Reno are considered the, the standard of female beauty. Utter, utter silliness. Okay, well, tomorrow we're going to come back and we're going to do a chock-full mailbag. got tons of mail this week, so maybe we'll do most of the show as the mailbag because I want to get to as many of your questions as possible. Plus, who knows, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz may get into an actual honest-to-God fistfight, which I would watch, wouldn't you? I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.